Welcome to the Buford Sermons Podcast, where we care about the things you care about. For more information or to donate to this ministry, please visit www.fbcbuford.org. Can we celebrate His blood that was shed for us this morning? I want you to grab a seat for me, and I want you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to know that you sounded incredible singing this morning. Thank you so much for joining in and engaging in that with us. Last week, Pastor Jared introduced us to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to spend the next several weeks, several months um, in the book of Hebrews, a long time in the book of Hebrews. Um, But he introduced it to us really with the simple phrase, Jesus is greater. As the author of Hebrews is writing here a letter to the New Testament church, uh, we understand that the whole theme of this letter, this sermon, this message is Jesus is greater. And as he begins making this truth known and helping us understand that Jesus is greater, we learned last week from Pastor Jared that the writer of Hebrews does an incredible job of tying this New Testament truth to Old Testament truth, helping us understand that what was written in the Old Testament is the inspired Word of God, and it is through that that it points us to Jesus, and the Old Testament points us to Christ who is to come or who was to come, and in the New Testament pointing us to Christ who had come and then, of course, gave his life on a cross and rose from the dead uh, for us. But helping us understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament are both a part of the inspired Word of God and are written for us today. And so as we walk through Hebrews, it is really teaching Old Testament through a New Testament book and this idea, with this idea that Jesus is greater. The writer gives us this brief little, these not these brief, these really rich uh, three verses to start the book. And then he jumps right into a picture of what Jesus, one of the pictures of what Jesus is greater than by dealing with some theological struggles that the group he was writing to were dealing with. And the struggles that they were dealing with were theological inaccuracies on the role and um, the development and the role of what are angels. By the way, if my voice is scratchy and all that, if you've been here for any time, you're just used to it, right? It just is what it is. But my voice was gone by about 1130 Monday morning at VBS, all right? So I made it through almost the whole first day before my voice was completely gone. But as we look at What we're going to look at this morning, which is verses 4 through 14 of Hebrews chapter 1, we see the writer here dealing with these theological struggles concerning angels. He said, why why would you spend a lot of time on that this morning, Stephen? One, because it's in the text. It was important enough for the writer of Hebrews to deal with it. But two, because I believe that some of the same struggles that these people dealt with, we deal with today. And we like to elevate the supernatural, don't we? We like to elevate the idea and the thoughts of angels. Angels are a big deal to us. Maybe some of us have conversations about your guardian angel and maybe how they protected you through some car wreck that you were in or through some experience that you felt like it was only some supernatural thing that could take care of you. There, you know, ball teams that are named after 
angels, one of, one of my friends and one of our own here, Brandon Marsh, who graduated from Buford, came to our student ministry here. He plays for the angels. Friday night, he had a multi-home run game for the first time in his career. Yay, Brandon, right? But these angels, and when we think of baseball and we think of angels, maybe some of you may go back to that great movie, that great uh, picture of cinematic excellence that was Angels in the Outfield, right? You remember that? Maybe sometimes you have been at Little League games and you've been began doing this, thinking that somehow some supernatural power was going to grab the glove of some kid who had hadn't caught a ball in the air in their entire life and supernaturally pull it towards the ball so that something happens that's never happened before and may never happen again. The angels are a big deal to us. Maybe some of you have made the statement before. And I say this as humbly as I can, knowing that dozens of families in our church, we've walked through circumstances that were Tragic and heartbreaking, horrific. But you've lost someone that maybe you feel like you lost too soon. And you've made the statement, well now they're my angel watching over me. And I want to say to you, if that's you and you've made that statement, one, it's, it's okay that you've made that statement. Because what you're trying to do is give them a place of honor, right? You're attempting to give them a place of importance, of value still in your life. And I appreciate that. But the reality is when our emotions push us to that point, what we're recognizing or what we're failing to recognize or maybe we just don't know is that when our loved ones go on before us, they don't become angels. Here's the encouraging part. You know why they don't become angels? Because they're greater than angels. They have more value than angels. We love, culture loves talking about the supernatural and some sort of angelic forces. But this morning, I want to accomplish, I pray that we accomplish two things as we read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14, and speak briefly on it. One, I pray that it helps us have a better grasp and understanding of what angels are and what they aren't. But even greater than that, I pray that this morning, students, kids, adults who are in the room, people watching online or who watch later in the week, even greater than giving us an understanding of what angels are and what they aren't, I pray that this morning helps firm up in our minds that Jesus really is greater. You see, what people were doing is they were elevating angelic forces of some sort and angelic beings, angels. They were elevating them to being equal to and greater than Jesus. Why would people do that before we get into the text? That doesn't even make sense, right? But when you think logically, it does make sense that people would do that. Because culturally, the world is okay with the spiritual. The world is okay with being spiritual. As a matter of fact, most people who you live around, 
Very few would just look at you and tell you they are void of all things spiritual. Most will tell you that they are spiritual in some way, that there is a God. They would tell you that they like the idea of angels being with them. They might tell you that they are Whitney fans and their favorite movie is The Preacher's Wife, right? If you haven't watched it, you need to. Not because of its theology, but because she's good. But they would give you these ideas of, yeah, I'm spiritual. And so if we're spiritual, the idea of these beings that just fly around to help us, that's not concerning. But the idea of a Jesus who calls us to surrender, that's hard. And so we get Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading reading in verse 3 because maybe in some of your translations, verse 4 kind of comes mid-sentence in my NIV. It's a new sentence, but if it does come mid-sentence, I want to help your OCD and just read the beginning of the sentence for you. Pastor Jared dealt with verse 3 last week, but it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to their name. What name did he inherit? We're going to keep reading verses 5 through 6. It says... For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In verses 4 through 6, we see our first truth this morning that helps us understand who angels are compared to who Jesus is. And this first truth in these three verses is really a picture, more important, leaning towards who is Jesus. And it is, points us to the reality, the truth, that Jesus is the Son. In doing so, the writer of Hebrews quotes for us three Old Testament passages of Scripture. Most of the Old Testament verses and passages we're going to look back on today are from the Psalms, most of them being Messianic Psalms, meaning that they're Psalms that point us towards the Messiah, the Savior of the world, many of them being Davidic Psalms, Psalms that David wrote that point towards his lineage of kings and rulers that would eventually lead to Jesus who comes from the line of David. In verses 4 through 6, or in verses 5 and 6, the writer of Hebrews quotes for us Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, and Psalm 97, 7. In verse 5, it's Psalm 2, 7, and 2 Samuel 7, 14, when he says, You are my son, today I have become your father. And then 2 Samuel 7, when he says, I will be his father, and he will be my son. The writer of Hebrews wants us to clearly understand that the beginning of the differences in angels and in Jesus is that Jesus is the only one who is the Son of God. You are my Son. Here the writer is pointing us to the divine nature of Jesus. The hard to grasp 
reality that Jesus is 100% God. He is God's son. He is the son. Now, we all have opportunities become, to become sons and daughters of God, right? We all have the chance to become children of God's. When we repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus based upon his shed blood on the cross and what he did for us and showed us in the power of his resurrection, when we repent of our sin and make him the Lord of our lives, then we become sons and daughters of the king. That is one of the things we're going to talk about in just a moment that makes us greater than the angels when it comes to our relationship with our heavenly father. But only Jesus is ascribed the name of the son. What that means is this. It's a picture that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. That Jesus had to be 100% man because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus, in his grace and mercy and love for us, took on your flesh and my flesh. He took on flesh when he was born of that virgin. He entered into that, or he came into this world. He didn't enter into, he, uh, was, he came into this world, uh, into our earthly world in the form of that humble baby boy. He grew in wisdom and stature in his flesh as he lived here he experienced the same things you and I experience the same temptations that we experience Jesus experienced the same pain that we experience Jesus experienced the same hunger that we experience physically Jesus experienced that the same heartache when we lose our friends or loved ones Jesus knows what that's like the the same concern for our families Jesus shows us that throughout scripture here's what we can know Jesus carried the same flesh that you and I carry. The only difference is he carried it in perfection better than, any, better than anybody who's ever lived on this earth. But he is the son of God. He knows what you've walked through. And ultimately, there had to be shed blood for forgiveness of sin. So he took on flesh so he could be the sacrifice that would receive the full wrath of God so you wouldn't have to if you surrendered to him. In being the son, he was 100% man, but in being the son of God, Jesus is also 100% God. That idea that Jared referenced last week that, man, we don't have time right now in the midst of this. And truthfully, I don't know if I have the mental capacity and the ability with my words to make you just fully understand it or make myself fully understand it, but that truth that we do serve a triune God who is three and one, one, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but that Jesus, while he was here on this earth and still to this day, while he is 100%, was 100% man, he is also 100% God. While man living on this earth, he was surrendered to the will of God the Father, but he had the same power and authority as God, creator. That Jesus is the Son of God. That can be said of nobody else or no other being. He is worthy of our worship because he is the Son of God. He's worthy of surrender because he is the Son 
of God. But then we see verses 7 through 9. And we see our next truth and we begin comparing and contrasting angels and Jesus. He says this. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. We see here the truth that angels are simply servants while Jesus is the scepter. In verse 7, we see Psalm 104 referenced when he's talking about angels here. He says this, in speaking of the angels, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Psalm 104.4 directly quotes this. It says he makes winds, his messengers, and flames of fire his servants. He is telling us there that angels simply are servants. What that means is that they are agents of God's purpose. That angels, listen, they're simply servants of God that God uses in the same way that he would use the wind to accomplish his will or the thunder and lightning to accomplish his will. Angels are created beings that God uses for his purpose as servants. There is no guardian angel who has the authority to do anything in your life or protect you apart from the sovereign hand of a holy God in Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the scepter. In verses 8 and 9, he quotes Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, when he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. That picture of that scepter, it's that staff that the one who is holding it possesses full authority. When I think of the scepter, I can't help but think of the greatest live-action Disney remake that they've ever done, which is Aladdin. You remember the story of Aladdin, right? That evil dude, Jafar, who at the end turns into the big scary snake and scared all the little kids in the theater, carries with him this staff that has a snake head on it that is that scepter. And it's in that scepter, that staff, that... He possesses all of his power. As a matter of fact, all of the power is in that scepter. It is that scepter that he can cause to gaze into the eyes of the sultan. And they turn into those little spirally lines. And then make decisions that he wouldn't have made. It's in that scepter that he could hold people in the air and restrain them. It's that scepter that carried the power and the authority. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 45, and the writer of Hebrews points us back to it, that Jesus is the scepter. He is the authority of justice. He is the scepter of his kingdom. That he is the one who's been anointed. He is the one who carries the power. Now, 
The great difference in Jafar's staff and Jesus being the scepter is that when Jafar's staff was broken, all power was gone. But when the world tried to break Jesus, his power was just put more on display for everybody to see. Listen, the theology of teaching Disney movies, that's exciting, isn't it? Listen, listen. Jesus is the authority. My angels are just the servants. Not only do we see that angels are simply servants while Jesus is the scepter, we keep reading in verses 10 through 12. And the Bible says this. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same. And your years will never end. We see that angels are created while Jesus is creator. In verses 10 through 12, he points us back, the writer, to Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. Again, these are, these are psalms that are written that point us to the, the coming Messiah. Many of these psalms point us to uh, pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus came from the line of David as was promised in the beginning. And, and we know that as David and as Solomon, as those kings, those righteous kings would serve, that they would be pictures, just small glimpses, small glimpses of what uh, the Messiah may be like and what his rule or what Messiah will be like and what his rule will look like. Never the complete picture, as Pastor Jared talked about last week, but just images, pictures, glimpses of that. And as it gives us glimpses of their current rule, it points us to the Messiah. Psalm 104, I mean Psalm 102, points us to Jesus by declaring that angels are created while Jesus is the creator. He speaks of his creation. He says this in verse 10, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. We know from the book of Genesis and from the gospel of John that through Jesus, all things were spoken into being, that it was Jesus's voice that spoke the world into being. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things that are above the earth and below the earth and beneath or, and on the earth and beneath the earth. He created the beast and the fish and the birds. He created all things. The book of John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and that all things were spoken into being through the Word, the Word referencing Jesus. So Jesus laid all the foundations of the earth. Jesus is creator. Hear me. Jesus did not begin in Matthew when he was born. Jesus has been in existence for all time, in existence as God, that triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It did not go this way. God the Father existed, created. God the Son Jesus was born and began there. God the Son Jesus ascended into heaven and then God the Holy Spirit began. That's not how a triune God works. They have always been. He has always been God from the beginning. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you read Genesis chapter 1, the, the Bible actually says the language speaks of letting us create man in our image. That is one God. So hard to grasp and understand. One God, three persons. 
persons there. But Jesus always has been. Jesus laid the foundations of the earth. Jesus spoke the world into being. But how does he say then what the creation looks like? This is what he says in verse 11. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, but you will, you will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never End. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Listen, here's what the writer of Hebrews wants you to understand. Jesus is the unchanging creator. The angels are simply created beings who will wear out and shift and change with time. What does that mean for me, Stephen? When you look at God's creation... It is constantly changing, isn't it? God's creation changes. Even the world. We were sitting out here. I was sitting out here in the lobby this week. We just got through cleaning, I think, maybe on Friday. And me and Luther and uh, Chad and Tracy, I think, were out there. And Tracy was looking at that map on that wall. And she said, I just love looking at a map because you can tell it's just like pieces of a puzzle that just, are put to, that just aren't quite put together. And then Luther began using big words and explaining about tectonic plates and how uh, part of that now is under the ocean and it all fit together at one point and, there, and all these things that like he doesn't know well he does know me very well but he doesn't understand like when it comes to that part of academic world like that just ain't my jam and so I just nodded my head and pretended like I cared and was really interested in Luther I was blacked out by the time you said tectonic I was done alright but but it is really neat to look and to see, right, how it's constantly changing. It's shifting. The world does. You do, don't you? You change. We got these middle and high school students in here. I got a daughter going into seventh grade. They change. For good and for bad, right? Creation is constantly changing, shifting, changing their mind. And even when you look back, and we don't have time to get into all of this today, but you look at the fall of Satan and his, the fallen angels that now serve him, that they shifted and changed. And the psalmist says, God's creation will change, will wear out, will go to dust, will be destroyed. But the Creator never changes. Do you know what's true about Jesus that's hard for us to grasp? The same Jesus who spoke the world into being is the same Jesus who cried in his mama's arms, is the same Jesus who grew in wisdom and stature, is the same Jesus who bewildered the religious teachers in the temple, is the same Jesus who healed the blind and made the lame to walk, is the same Jesus who stood before these illegal trials and didn't say a word, is the same Jesus who took 
took the punches and the rods to the face and the whips to the back is the same Jesus who marched through the city streets with the cross on his back is the same Jesus who climbed the hill who's the same Jesus who laid on the cross is the same Jesus whose nails were driven through his hands and his feet is the same Jesus who asked for a drink of water while he was hanging on the cross is the same Jesus who looked at the thief and said today because of your faith you will be with me in paradise is the same Jesus who looked at the crowd and said father forgive them for they know not what they're doing is the same Jesus who breathed his last breath when he cried out father it is finished is the same Jesus whose dead body they took off the cross and put in the tomb is the same Jesus who appeared to the disciples is the same Jesus who appeared to 500 others is the same Jesus who then ascended into heaven is the same Jesus who reached down when I was just a little boy and touched my heart and saved me out of the depth of my sin he never changes listen and you know how that encourages me the same Jesus who's there when my bank account's full and my wife loves me a little extra and my kids are making straight A's and we won one of those little fake plastic rings that everybody spends so much time chasing after for some reason and things are going well at work and everybody's healthy the same Jesus who's holding me up in the best of times. He's the same one who's pursuing me when I don't want to check my bank account because I'm scared of what might not be there. When your wife maybe doesn't love you a little extra but maybe doesn't even like you a little bit and you don't like her a little bit and you saw that other chick at work out of the corner of your eye and you felt all these little tingly feelings and you started considering pursuing something outside of the will of God but it began really messing up your heart and really maybe even messing up your stomach a little bit but you really are facing this really bad struggle and you don't really know what to do with it and your kids are running wild and they don't understand and they don't do what's right and they've got all these zeros in the grade book that makes their A's, D's and all these things are happening. You hadn't won one of those little silly plastic rings that everybody spends all their money and time chasing these days uh, but because they're just not very good and you just feel like your life is crumbling around you or maybe that loved one is sick or maybe you've experienced that loss, that death that is inexplainable and that doesn't make sense to anybody. Listen to me, if you're at the top or if you're in the bottom of your deepest, darkest hole, my Jesus never changes and he's waiting on you. He is the creator. The angels aren't the creator. They can't change your circumstances. They're just creations of God that are there to serve. But God, Jesus, is creator. And you know what's really special about Jesus being creator? The Bible says... In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. That Jesus is creator of all things. But get this. There is only one of his creation 
that was created in his image. And it wasn't the angels. It was you and me. When my loved ones die, I'm thankful that God gives me memories of them and that God even sometimes, I believe this, that God sometimes even gives me glimpses of moments with them that bring my heart a little bit of comfort and joy. I'll just give you an example. I believe that there are times I, well, these things do happen, and I believe God does it for me. Some of you heard me talk about my Uncle Mike. My Uncle Mike was like my granddad on my dad's side. Truthfully, he was the closest thing. My, my dad's granddad, my dad's dad died before I was born, and my mom's dad died when I was seven, eight years old. So for most of my developmental years, my Uncle Mike kind of picked up that role. Outside of my dad, there's no more influential man in my life than my Uncle Mike. I still remember him hugging my neck when we told him we were having our first child. Big, strong, he was Superman. And he passed away. And there are nights when I have dreams and my uncle's talking to me. Maybe I need encouragement, and he just gives me some words. I thought he was a superhero, and he acted like I was a superhero. And hear me. I can't say that I've ever had, since he passed away, a dream where he was in it that was unpleasant. Now, there are times I've woken up from them and tried to go back to sleep. You ever done that before? And I believe those are just little gifts of God. God uses my memories in my mind to give me those things. But hear me. That is not my Uncle Mike coming back to me in the form of some angel to help me get through something in my life. Because you know what my Uncle Mike is doing right now? He ain't showing up in my dreams in some created form to help me with my life. He's worshiping at the feet of Jesus as a child of the king, waiting for me to come worship next to him. Listen, that was close. Listen, God created us in his image. We won't ever be angels. We will be children of the kings. Angels are just there to serve. We get to be a part of the family. And it's a big deal when you're a part of the family. Jesus is the creator. Angels are created. And we read verses 13 and 14 where the Bible says this, and I'm done. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvations? salvation? Here in verse 13... The writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 110, verse 1. Psalm 110 is historically seen as one of the most or the most prophetic of all the Psalms. 
It's a Davidic coronation psalm. It was more than likely probably directly written for David's son Solomon. But it was prophetically pointing us to the Messiah. And as the writer of Hebrews says, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Sit at my right hand is a picture of the authority of God, of the authority, excuse me, of Christ Jesus, of his place and his position. And what we learn in these two verses is that Jesus is sovereign over all that is spiritual, that Jesus is in control, that Jesus is the one who directs and guides our path that Jesus is the one who is bending the world to his will, that Jesus is sovereign. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, that Jesus is sovereign when it comes to his mercy and his undeserved grace in in our lives, that Jesus is sovereign when it comes to uh, his wrath and his justice and his judgment that we deserve, but that he came and took in our place, that Jesus is sovereign and he is in control and because Jesus is sovereign, that truth alone is enough for us to worship him. I always want to be on the side of the one who's in control. Jesus is already sovereign, so I might as well go ahead and bend to his will. He is God. What's all this mean, Stephen? One, God created and Jesus spoke all things into being. The gospel starts there. Two, God created you in his image. You are the most beloved of his creation, even above the angels. So when you say your kid's being an angel, you're trying to be a proud parent, you're really giving them a demotion. Listen, three, Jesus is simply greater. We live in a spiritual world, guys. And we search all, people search all these spiritual ideas and these spiritual powers. None can compare. And the fact that my hope is built nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Jesus isn't just spiritual. He is God. He is man. He is sovereign. He's worthy of our surrender. Would you surrender to him? Quit chasing everything else and surrender to the one who never changes. If you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to do it this morning by acknowledging that you are a broken sinner, but that God loves you and that Jesus died for you, asking him to forgive you of your sin and surrender your life to him. Make him the sovereign Lord of your life. Would you do that this morning? You can come see me or one of our pastors at the end of the service. We'd be happy to talk to you about that. You can text that word Buford Info to that number 97000 and respond to the prompt that says you need to trust Jesus and we'll, we'll call you as soon as it hits our phones when church ends this afternoon. We want to begin that conversation.
of what it means to surrender your life to the one who's in control of all. Would you do it this morning? Maybe some of you have lived a little confused theologically or practically when ideas of the spiritual realm. Listen, there is a spiritual realm that we live among and in. There's powers and principalities. There's spiritual conflict. There are angels that exist to serve God's purposes. But those angels aren't your ancestors. They're not your loved ones. They're specifically created. Because my hope is based on the truth. That I am a child of the king's. Because I trusted him and those who went before me are too. So we want you to live in truth. Jesus is greater. Let's stand together. If you need to respond and trust Jesus, you do that this morning. You need to pray, you do that. You need to worship, you do that. God, I thank you for this day, for who you are. Help us be obedient to you in these next few moments. We love you so much. We praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you have been blessed and challenged by this message. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want to know more about how to follow Jesus, please check us out at fbcbuford.org.